1: And I'm still trying to find out who this lesbian is. So if anybody knows what I'm talking about, season 11, I feel like one of our listeners has to know who is this dyke Consult the chart. walks up to Sonia and starts making out with her intensely and then just walks away.
2: I'm
1: dyking out,
2: you're dyking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about.
1: Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a
0: podcast that thinks Erica Jane knew. I'm Carolyn Berger. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with writer and pop culture critic Kayla Kumari Upaja about the real housewives. Finally. We are
1: doing it. Melody, I'm so happy for you Thank that you. we are having this episode. And to those of you who are not Housewives fans, listen anyway because there's a lot of relatable stuff in there. I think we make a great case for it and Kayla is a super interesting, fun person to hear from. So A gem. We'll get to that very shortly. Speaking of Kayla, who happens to be recapping Gen Q on the AV Club. So if you've been watching Gen Q and you live in New York, why don't you come and join us at Henrietta Hudson Friday nights? Because we are the only Showtime sanctioned watch party in New York City. Can you believe it? I
0: can't believe it. You hear that? You hear that $3 bill? You hear that? (laughs) Other venues? We're the only one. Yeah, where wherever
1: else you're watching it, you're not getting cool Showtime swag, which is yeah. what we will have at Henrietta Hudson. You're not getting the diking out pre-show, which involves a heavily animated Google slide stock. You're and not getting that. A lot of opinions that I kind of have to change each week because you know the last time I did it, I was not expecting a Shane crowd a Shane Tibet crowd, which is a a difficult crowd to give Gen Q opinions to. Yeah. Difficult in just accept it. GG's the new Shane.
0: Yeah. It's weird (laughs) that we haven't all completely caught on to that yet, but
1: you know, we're still just a few episodes in. So if you're in the area, the, uh, pre-show that we do starts around 8 and then they screen it at 8.30 but people will be getting there and there'll be like a photo booth set up as early as 6.30 so Friday's uh, just keep looking at our instagram for that and also speaking of merch you can get Diking out merch we have an etsy shop we're also on t public if you're looking for your, your own uh, justice for jenny schecter shirt believe it or not people buy them or a mind your heterosexual business shirt we have those on etsy Check it out. We haven't mentioned it in a while. We also haven't updated it in a while, but we're hoping we've got the wheels spinning on some merch that we want to put out there. I'm exhausted
0: from having the possibly the gayest week. Yeah. How are you going to pick one? I need to know. Can you, what's the gayest thing you did this week? You're, you're back from P town. I am. And let's remind listeners that last week, because we recorded
1: back-to-back days and a, a whole week hadn't passed for a new gayest thing we predicted what our gayest things would be and i i was so wrong of, of what my gayest thing would be in p-town the first 24 hours were more gay than anything i could have uh, imagine shout out to topless tours if you are looking for a dune tour we are gonna plug our friend Kristen Becker who is a comedian who is a uh, bona fide dyke, and yeah. runs these topless tours and is very knowledgeable and very fun and also has like sunscreen and gum and all sorts of goodies in the back yeah and takes <laughs> that you could
0: need great pictures of very you.
1: great pictures I've yes never
0: had someone so expertly take like lesbian pictures you know like like I when you have your girlfriend and you're sort of like can you just take a picture of us in front of a monument or something and it's just a quick awkward and you're not sure how cool the person is I don't know she was directing us she was having us you know kiss getting shots from behind over the shoulders ugh, with the dunes in the background shout out to Kristen Becker we had so much fun
1: I'm going to say what my gayest thing in P-Town was, but then when I came back, I had a pretty gay thing happen immediately. So first in P-Town, it was actually outside of P-Town, believe it or not. I was in Wellfleet one afternoon and we were in this shop and a woman says something who happened, I think, to be the shop owner about being from Buffalo. So immediately I yell from across the store, I'm from Buffalo. (laughs) We ask where. Turns out we're from the same town, which doesn't happen much. She went to my high school, granted 20 years earlier. And then I'm thinking, okay, do you know my aunt and my uncle who went there? And we start playing this game of who do you know? So we're going back and forth. And then she asked if I knew Miss Dunn. And Miss Dunn was my middle school gym teacher who was clearly a lesbian (laughs) and even in middle school I could recognize this as a fact and when she said that she was like Miss Dunn actually lives here in Wellfleet now and I was like okay I have to share this story by this point everybody in the store is listening to me talk (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like picture me a young lesbian (laughs) in this small town outside of Buffalo I'm at the mall. I see Miss Dunn there with what I assume to be her girlfriend. They're at the food court. I cannot stop looking at them. I don't know I'm gay yet, but there's something about it. And they have this big bag at their feet, and it's a Banana Republic bag. And from then on, I was constantly walking by Banana Republic looking inside for more lesbians, (laughs) being like, this is where the lesbians are. And then this woman at the shop goes... Well, she's married to a Banana Republic store manager. <laughs> I like this is so gay, but everybody had to like hear the story of kind of like a weird ring of keys moment yeah. for me <laughs> involving Banana Republic. And I think publicly sharing that. Oh uh, yeah. Finding a mutual from my middle school gym teacher was totally the gayest thing that happened. But also when we got back from P Town I hung up some blinds that I custom ordered for our house. They've been sitting around for months and I haven't put them up yet because the instructions were a little bit intimidating and it seemed like a a big task. And then finally I'm like, fuck it. I'm putting up these blinds and I put them up, nailed it, nailed it. They look great. And Cecilia was so turned on that she pleasured herself. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was <laughs> not expecting that from you. So I left the next morning. So yeah, we got back from P-Town. I <laughs> I, I hang these blinds and they're like, you know, those like floor length blinds covering like a patio door type thing. And the next morning I left to go get a, a COVID test because I'm testing regularly and I was in P-Town. I have family coming and... I left to get the COVID test early in the morning and she was like, I woke up and was looking at the blinds and oh just got God. so turned on. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, I, I think like doing that handy job so well that it turned on my wife was the gayest thing. I, I think this week. so. How about you,
0: Melody? Oh, my God. How do I even top that? Pun <laughs> Pun intended. I did recently, Allie, that that might be the gays thing. I wasn't planning on this. I just turned to, we were driving somewhere the other day, and it's just like, I think I'm officially a top now, (laughs) out of nowhere, (laughs) to Allie. And she was like, you know what? Yeah, I think I've noticed that. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) And (laughs) we just rode another hour in silence. (laughs) Was it the hand sex episode that got you thinking about it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Also, all you sick freaks messaging me, I'm not going to tell you every detail of fisting my girlfriend, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Can nothing be sacred? My God! No, I'm very open about that stuff, but I don't think I'm going to get into the mechanics of it (laughs) in my DMs with y'all. Save it for... The Patreon. Yes, for the Patreon, of course. Oh, $5 a month. Um, Yeah, we were in the car when I said that because we went to Connecticut. I had gotten for Allie's birthday in May. Her birthday present was tickets to a country concert. Uh, We know from the Brook Eden episode. I don't know much about country. (laughs) I know what I don't like, and I I, I don't know, I (laughs) projected it onto this band, but then Allie told me one of them came out as gay, so I was like, hell yeah, suddenly I'm like listening to all their music. That's all it takes. We really, right. representation is important. So, the the Brothers Osborne um is the band. And we went down, we had gotten a hotel um down the street and Allie we talked about on our Patreon episode all the fun we had with Kristen Becker uh right. in P Town. She um gave Allie a shirt That she sells, I believe, some of her merch that says vagina is for lovers in the same sort of logo font as the Virginia is for lovers. Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, See, Allie and I got to the hotel room. We have high THC tolerances. So we're like, she got the biggest dosage of an edible she could find and was like, we'll split this. No problem. And it was like such a classic mistake you would make if you were 10 years younger. Like, uh, like we just got (laughs) way too high. Like we were like crawling down this main street. Five minute walk was like 15, just like (laughs) getting to this venue. (laughs) Um, Huge new amphitheater in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It was really actually gorgeous. Like you had Metro North. You could see just like skirting past it um, right next to the stage. Um, But, Of course, we were uh, seated behind the chattiest, like waspiest Connecticut drunk couple in the whole state. Of course, Um, this woman was like performing for us. You ever, like, at a concert or just like a public space where someone they're talking loudly and they just assume you're listening, but you're not. And they'll just keep turning and catching uh, your eye and just like making sure you're laughing at whatever they just said in their private conversation you couldn't care less about. Um, That happened
1: to us (laughs) in line for ice cream. It's so annoying. Yeah, this guy thought he was so funny, and I'm kept. i like, Cecilia, stop reacting, or he's going to keep doing it. He's putting on a show for us, and I don't want it. Anyway. Yeah,
0: Allie got so high. All she was capable of was, like, nodding and smiling. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) even that is too much, (laughs) this woman. um, So, yeah, there was a couple opening acts. Sorry I'm blanking on the name, but one of them was woman-fronted, and they were really good. I can't remember the name. But this woman between each opening act would get up. She was the most Connecticut woman. I can't even, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, uh, this is all trauma from growing up there. But she would stand up in her like Sperry's and just clap like the the uh, most annoying golf clap and go bravo, 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 bravo. And turn to us, me and Allie, and be like, you know you're supposed to say bravo. I don't know if you've ever gone to the theater. <laughs> We're like, excuse me. Um, uh. and we are just too high to like be snappy with like Allie's a trained like acting, like uh. <laughs> theater apprenticeships, like uh, very much a theater right. person. Um, and I was just like, Yeah, we live in New York, we go to shows, we know, like, she's trying to brush her off short, terse sentences. Um, and she just wouldn't stop like turning back, turning to us, like, um asking us questions about us. Eventually like she stopped and then she was doing one of those things where she kept like turning to see if we could like catch her joke. She was cracking and she caught Allie's shirt. She was wearing vaginas for lovers and goes, Oh my God, I'm from Virginia. I'm from Virginia. Uh, where in Virginia are you? Have you been recently? Cause yeah, I haven't been in years and just like was staring at the shirt and couldn't <laughs> read the word. And we didn't, we were too high to do anything about it. Uh, um, um, but we just like cracked up in her face and eventually did have to move to some free seats that we'd been eyeing. And she knew it was because of her. And then, like, we were too high to even deal with that darting eye contact across the row we had to, she ruined it. She ruined oh. it. And she can't read. Is that even my gayest thing? <laughs> Whatever. We were in Connecticut the next day. It was kind of a double served as a trip to Connecticut for a memorial for my um my best friend from home, Margaret. Her mom passed away last summer. From cancer, but they had the memorial this summer, this past weekend. Now Margaret's mom is, I mean this in the best way, just like she was a maniac, just like the screaming liberal, like hippie, loud, (laughs) in your face. Like everyone around town just knew Barb as this like scary screaming banshee. Um, So when she gets fixated or when she would get fixated on an idea, she would scream about it until it came to fruition. She got it in her head when she had met Allie because she's like a second mom to me. We're very close. Um, She met Allie and within five minutes of meeting Allie like a couple years ago was like, Mel, you got to get this girl a baby. She is a mother, Mel. Mel, (laughs) I swear to God, when are you having a baby, Mel? Like, And just got really concerned because Allie, you know, is great with kids, desperately needs a baby like born to raise (laughs) and nurture. And so um, she picked up her phone. This was 2018 or 19 and called her son, Max, uh, Margaret's older brother, who was like the cute guy growing up. We all had crushes on him and was like, Max, you're giving them your sperm. Max, I'm, I don't care what you say. Tell Lauren, his wife, his wife got upset. It caused this big fight within their oh family. God. And then eventually we just shut the idea down. I was so uncomfortable um, and was like, drop it. It's okay, Barb. We'll find someone. We're not even thinking yeah. about that right now. It's okay. If I, it's fine. Sorry, Max. Like, I, we caused a rift, <laughs> like, in their weekend. And um, she's like, I don't care what he says. He's, he's going to give you his sperm. And just, like, just was always screaming about that. And then she passed, last summer. Okay, cut to this last weekend in Connecticut. Um, I finally meet Lauren, Max's wife. I'd never met her, and one of the first things she says is, by the way, I've thought about it a lot, and you can have Max's sperm.
2: (laughs) Wow. And then I'm like, oh my god, amazing!
0: Because Max is so sweet. He's he's very attractive. He's like, it's good sperm. Um, I would be like, in a way related to like the, my second mom would in a way be like my daughter. I would carry the baby. Um, <laughs> um, and it would just be like connected to my best friend's family. We like dreamed about yeah. this, right? Max is um. He's okay with it at the beginning of the memorial. Then we go to their sister's house for like more friends and family and we're hanging out. I can see him getting more and more uncomfortable with the idea as we talk about it. The more he drinks, the more there's just this like middle distance stare. Oh boy. <laughs> and then someone brought it up they're like, Way to go, Max, I'm coming around on that. And he's just he looks absolutely shook by the end of the day. He's like, Yeah, it's uh It's a lot to consider. Uh, It's really crazy if you think about it. And I was like, don't think about it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But we were just kind of like jabbing. But it's what Barb would have wanted. You know, Barb really wanted that. And he was like, yeah, Yeah. you're right. You're right. So now I've guilted. (laughs) through through mourning through him mourning his mom I've like guilt secured sperm that's got to be the gayest thing of the summer (laughs) because we're just every time he would start to be like I don't know we're like come on it's it's what your mom wanted (laughs) she really wanted it more than anyone yeah
1: yeah (laughs) You're not really being manipulative because that's what she wanted. Truly made it very clear. And, you know, when you're remembering someone's life, why not talk about creating new life mm-hmm. and continuing the legacy of Barb? Yes. through Sperm donation. I would love nothing more. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great and i guess our joint gayest thing was keeping our eyes peeled for rachel
0: maddow while we were oh yes that was my gayest thing yeah we did slowly off yeah we were tipped off Uh, we slowly drove past um rachel maddow's house we saw lights were on and Kristen was like oh you know what that means we go for a walk in this neighborhood early in the morning around lesbian dog walking hour we're going to see Rachel Maddow. Yeah, which yeah. You, you All learned. the
1: lesbians walk their dogs at the same time in, in P Town, and then you never see them again. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of crazy, I think it's time to get into our topic because today we are diking out with writer Kayla Kumari Upaja about the real housewives and life as a. Hashtag Bravo Dyke. We're making it happen. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Bravo Dykes. Kayla is the assistant managing editor at Tri Quarterly and a writer for Auto Straddle. Wow. Two Auto Straddle wow. writers. So close together. I love it. She made her fiction debut in Mick Quarterly Concern, and her short stories also appear in Catapult, The Offing, Joyland, and others. Some of her pop culture writing can be found in The Cut, AV Club, as I mentioned earlier, Vulture, and Refinery. 29. Let's get to it.
0: Kayla, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you to talk about one of my favorite topics. (laughs) But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about you. Do you mind telling our listeners just a little bit about your background? Imagine if she minded if she came on this podcast and was like, (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa. dare you? Um,
3: I prefer to remain anonymous. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So uh, my name is Kayla Kumari Paja. I am a writer for Autostraddle. I've written there for I think it's going to be six years in November. I'm pretty sure. Um,
0: Yay. yeah,
3: wow. I write for a bunch of other places online. I write about TV, I write about film, I write about kind of queer pop culture type stuff. In addition to being a critic, I'm also a writer myself. I write fiction and nonfiction, and I'm an editor at Tri Quarterly, which is a literary journal based out of Chicago. Um, and yeah, I think that's that about covers it about me.
1: And I know that Melody, you have known about Kayla for a while. Kayla, you came into my orbit specifically because of your spot on reviews of L Word Generation Q. And I've never, I had to look at the byline and be like, did I write that, like, these are (laughs) all of my thoughts and feelings captured in a review. So congrats on having great opinions. (laughs) If anybody wants to read them, they're they're with the uh A V Club. Uh tell us tell us a little bit about this. Yeah.
3: Um, so I wrote about the original series for the A V Club way after the original series had ended. Um Cause I didn't actually watch the show until after it had ended. I was like, you know, closeted in my dorm watching the original series. Like, I was like getting yep. the the DVDs because <laughs> it, it was on Netflix at the time, but uh, I was too scared to watch it on Netflix because somebody would see. And oh. so then, because <laughs> oh, no. I think I had like a shared account with my family at the time, so I went to like the media library on my college's campus to rent the DVD. <laughs>
2: Wow. Yes. to watch it, which in <laughs>
3: retrospect, I've heard is the right way to watch it because they changed the music for Netflix. Like Netflix. Can't I recently
0: can... heard this. Yeah. yeah
3: Netflix yeah. has like streaming rights things. So they change all the songs and the songs are kind of a big part of the original and Generation Q actually. So they yeah, really are. Yeah. So I am glad that I watched it that way. But anyway, so then I think it was in like. 2015 or so the AV club had asked me to do um a kind of breakdown of the 10 essential episodes of the original series and that was the first time I actually wrote about the show in like my professional life um and I was like oh right how do I make like my thoughts coherent about this (laughs) And, and not just like talk about like how hot bet is or like any of these, like, I'm like, how do I, you know, be a critic about this right now? But it was actually very fun. I had to pick 10 episodes of the original series. Yeah. That are how? Not. Oh yeah. It was gosh, hard. Yeah. Cause I think like the way that that feature at AV club works, it's not even necessarily like the 10 best, but it's almost as if like here, if somebody was only going to watch 10 episodes of the series, which ones should they be like, which are kind of the most exemplary of the series. Yeah. I had to pull it up because
2: yeah, I know (laughs) I really want to I'm sure I'm sure
1: I've actually read this at some point.
3: It it has it has pretty solid SEO on it, so anyone that like searches like best episodes of the L word or whatever, nice. it usually comes up. But that was like because <laughs> that was also that was like an interesting time for me because it was the very beginning of like my career in TV criticism, but also like very early on went uh, in like my coming out process. So it was like kind of those two things at once. But that was that was the first time I wrote about the show, and then what as I think. Pretty much as soon as Generation Q was announced, like as soon as it was announced that it was a thing that was happening, I reached out to the editor at AV Club and was basically, because I'm a freelancer there, like I'm not on staff, so you know, I kind of have to like pitch to cover certain shows. But I remember sending this email. as like the most kind of just like glib I'd ever been with him where I was just like, listen, like this has to be me. Like there's no, <laughs> there's just no other person. Like it has to be me. And she, I mean, she agreed. She was like, yes, this is you. Um, so, and that's when I started doing season one last season. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: we I love it. it. And I do have to ask because this isn't part of Gen Q. But what is your overall opinion on one Miss Jenny Schechter?
3: So I have an interesting journey with Jenny Schechter because I feel like I used to ascribe to like the dominant narrative of like Jenny Schechter is the worst character ever on television. Um, And like she's terrible. She's horrible. I have a lot of Jenny apologists in my life. (laughs) (laughs)
0: A lot of the- <laughs> we might be two of those.
3: <laughs> I have a lot of dear friends who love Jenny, and they have they have made me see the other side, and I kind of find jenny to be delightful and sa- how horrible she is now mm-hmm. i like yes. i like her chaos i also think like i mean obviously every writer i know like makes fun of just like her writing career and how ridiculous it is and stuff but i'm also like she is such a writer like i know other writers who are exactly yeah. like this just like so my so many
0: insufferable writers out there yes. yeah
3: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> So I I have come around on Jenny I really have. <laughs> Same. I mean for me it
1: definitely wasn't love at first watch. <laughs> it really was upon revisiting the series that I'm like actually she is delightful in her chaos. You put it So well, and I really had to ask you, not knowing, but having a feeling you might feel the same way, and I wanted our listeners to hear it from somebody uh, who is smarter and more eloquent than me. (laughs) So thank you for saying that. And well, I also just think Mia Kirshner is
3: like a really great actor. Like she's great. I
1: know, I know, I miss her. We want her on this podcast so bad, and I just. I've tried all my angles and I don't know how to do it.
3: One of my like claim to fame that is not a real claim to fame is that and I I don't know if it's still true. I hope it is. But I know Wikipedia changes all the time. But at one point I was referenced in the footnotes on Mia Kirshner's Wikipedia page. Oh,
0: my (laughs) God.
1: (laughs) Huge. (laughs) i'll reach out again i'll be like you may know this name we've also had this battle do it they were in your wiki notes (laughs) that's great yeah i i love it because when i read your recaps for gen q i thought great these opinions are like the opinions we're all having about gen q but we're hosting these watch parties at henrietta hudson so then i go back and i recap the episode and people are not on board like the last one i did i was shocked at how many people were groaning about carrie and tina and i'm like how could you
0: they're could you? stuck in their st- mid-aughts they're like spray. and they're all young <laughs> I, like yeah they don't want it they're all tibet they love shane they're not a gg crap i don't know
3: tibet has almost like turned into this thing where like i'm scared to see say it because like those fans are so intense and like they're
1: like
0: Swifties or just like any other rabid Stan community they put in their
1: 10,000 hours on YouTube videos (laughs) and they're not going to throw all that away on Rosie O'Donnell those montages take
0: time
1: Chops, yeah okay well I think enough of that we really yeah. do need to get into more important questions like what is the gayest thing you did this week mm-hmm.
3: well honestly I feel like this is related because I'm struggling to think of something gayer than this the other night my girlfriend and I uh laid in bed and watched my generation q screeners
2: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> while drinking nice. like
3: bed whiskey basically
0: <laughs> bed whiskey yes. Um, I, in researching you, learned that you have a librarian girlfriend. Is yes. that true? Uh, that makes it ten oh, times gayer. <laughs> yes.
3: She's a librarian and novelist. Um, and,
0: uh, love uh, it.
3: Yeah. She gets, you know, one of the best perks of dating me, I feel like, is getting those advanced screeners <laughs> of generation Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> we're not here to talk about the L word today. No, we're not. We're here to talk about another channel. We're not here to talk about Showtime. We're here to talk about Bravo. I am so excited to have another Housewives fam on this podcast. I've been dying to speak to just another queer person. There are a lot of podcasts with gay men, but just like you don't ever get to really dike out about Housewives. I feel like there are a lot of us out there, but I haven't heard a lot of the discourse. So I'm so excited to get into it. Can you tell us about your housewife's journey?
3: Yes, I can. How you get into it? Um, and yes, I do like to believe that there are at least dozens of us out there. <laughs> um, I I'm have, slowly becoming one. Yeah. Melody, Melody, I got her into New York me. this year. Yeah, I that's that's usually like a starter one that I use for people. Yeah, like if not Beverly Hills then New York, Uh, like New York is gayer than Beverly Hills in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those first (laughs) few seasons of New York. I mean, we get like a whole friendship breakup arc like that's the gayest shit ever. But anyways, my journey with Housewives... I was living in Chicago and it was Chicago winter and it was really cold. And (laughs) the only place that was warm in my whole apartment was literally my bathroom because the radiator was in there. And it was like I was toward the beginning of my kind of freelance career. So I was like working a lot. Um, but kind of working weird hours and just literally working on the floor of my bathroom, and I realized that I wanted to have a TV show that I was not writing about, that wasn't for work. Mm. And at the time, I only covered scripted television, so I was like, I'm gonna get really into reality TV. I like I had dabbled in reality TV for sure. Like I watched Laguna back in the day. I watched The Hills. Like I had like a basis for things. Yes. But I had never really like fully invested in it especially just like in the way that I am with scripted television where like yes it's kind of my job but it's also like a big passion of mine so I was just like what can I watch that's gonna be fun I can kind of lo- lose myself in and I'm like never ever ever gonna write about and I chose real Housewives of Beverly Hills I started with that one actually oh, okay and jokes on me I absolutely have written about the Housewives like I <laughs> have and like you <laughs> know I've, I've
0: read your writing about the housewives yeah. not even knowing it was you but like double checking today I'm like of course she wrote that one. She wrote that one. (laughs) Yes. No, it's like it's
3: not possible for me to like uh, become obsessed with something and then not eventually write it. Like That's just not a thing. But for a while, it was just like, yeah, my kind of like I'm cold and depressed in Chicago. I just want to watch TV and shut out the world. And that was yeah, that was Beverly Hills for me. And then I think that I went from Beverly Hills to Vanderpump Rules, actually, before I even started New York. And then I did all of New York um, very fast. But it was interesting because the first time I was watching New York, I did not live there. Um, I was still living in Chicago. I think I watched some of the like mid seasons. It's in like season 13 or some shit right now. Like it's like, yeah, I think some of the mid seasons I did end up seeing in New York. I then rewatched all of New York and Beverly Hills with my current girlfriend because she never watched Bravo shows before me. And I would kind of watch them as I was cooking. And increasingly she was kind of like looking over my shoulder, like what's going on? What are people shouting about right now? And so I was like, (laughs) okay, you're either like in or out. If you're in, you're all in. Let's go back and rewatch these. And it was fun to rewatch New York after having lived there. I don't live there anymore, but like it was, I was like, oh, I'm kind of picking up on some things that I wouldn't have before. This whole kind of like uptown, downtown craziness that they talk about all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they try to turn that- it into some weird, like drawn line. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah,
1: even where they spend their their weekends and their summers. It's like the Berkshires crowd versus the Hamptons crowd. Oh, yeah. I had to like look
3: up where Quag was. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that that was my housewife journey. And now it's just like there's no turning back. Like I watched several franchises Um Uh, My girlfriend and I have been working our way through Atlanta, um, which has been Uh, fun because a lot of that has been new to both of us. Yeah, very gay. And we did Salt Lake City,
0: <laughs> which,
3: um, the newest and the wildest. And yeah, um, get on
0: board. There's just one season, everybody. There's still time before the September premiere season, too. It is a doozy.
3: It's a doozy. And it's going to be a good second season because we've got somebody probably getting arrested and indicted <laughs> in
0: a federal I case. Mean, Defrauding a lot of vulnerable Americans. This is happening with two franchises two. right now. I mean, but granted, did, does every does every like city no. have people who get arrested?
3: Not no, every. I mean, well, actually, a lot. So we had New Teresa York, Judice. Yeah, Teresa Judice went to prison. Um, <laughs> and we have uh, Salt Lake City now is happening where like it's ongoing. Beverly hills there's an ongoing case as well new york there's been a lot of like arrests a lot of like one night in jail type stuff it's like yeah. Yeah. almost all alcohol related like dui type stuff right. more for
0: belligerent think, yeah
3: i think tinsley it was like a stocking charge or something like that yeah <laughs> but i mean a, a lot of mugshots across the board on the housewives <laughs> right um, and Yeah, but the I mean the legal drama of Beverly Hills is like keeping that franchise alive right now. I feel like
0: Uh, who would have thought it just took someone's life falling apart for the ratings to go up on Beverly Hills, and that's what we're seeing now. Right, we've had like a lot of one night in jail, like drunk arrests here and there, but like now congruently, two season, two franchises where we have people either knowingly participating in like a lot of embezzlement and like defrauding vulnerable people and like really facing the consequences while they're filming. Like we're going to see a full on arrest (laughs) in season two of Salt Lake City with Jen Shaw, Erica Jane. We're watching her learn more and more about like all the, legal ramifications she's facing for her husband um, defrauding and stealing money embezzling from plane crash victims burn victims he would do a lot of class action lawsuits we've never seen crime on this level and it's sort of happening with two franchises right now so anyone getting into it now I'm like this is the time. like I don't know yeah. it's a true crime it's never hints. been better like, to get it's in
3: basically a true crime series at this point yeah and I don't, I don't know how you feel, but I fully think Erica is lying. Also. Me too. Yeah. I she's think-
0: acting. Mm-hmm. She's, um, she knew, yeah, she is guilty.
3: Yeah. There's just no way.
0: <laughs> As a podcast network,
2: our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. shopify.com slash realm are you ready to shop Rakuten's big give week is back
1: promise of crime that got me to start watching it (laughs) Uh, for those of our listeners who really are like no i'm not watching the show melody kept insisting to me week after week how gay it is in lockdown
0: i was like you have to now
1: yeah the way that she was describing it i was picturing normal stuff that i've seen my straight friends do or straight people in my orbit do you know they go out they get a little bit handsy this is possibly one of the most sapphic shows on television yes like the amount of affection both physical and emotional between these women Is insane. And then there are just so many moments where I'm texting Melody like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I just watched an episode the other night. Where uh, Sonia had a um, a feature in a magazine, and she had a party, and then this lesbian just approaches her, and I'm (laughs) still trying to find out who this lesbian is. So if anybody knows what I'm talking about, season eleven, I feel like one of our listeners has to know who is this. Consult the chart. Walks up to Sonia and starts making out with her intensely, and then just walks
3: away. What what is that? Yep. What's going on the here? Sonia Morgan <laughs> drive by lesbian moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
3: And she has
1: so many moments, and she's one who I really do feel like she's bisexual, and for whatever reason, is not owning up to it. But I just watched an episode last night where uh, they were playing Truth or Dare, and Luann dares Bethany to kiss Barbara with her tongue. And she goes right into it without hesitating. And Sonia is so jealous. She's so (laughs) jealous and upset by watching this. And I'm like, Sonia... You're gay. Well,
3: <laughs> she has raised millions for the LGBT.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for the LGBT.
3: Um, yeah, no. I mean, she's like always come like literally this close to saying she's bisexual, I feel like. And like, yeah, her, she has, you know, admitted many times that she's very attracted to Luann. Um she, she loves there, she was trying to kiss Bethany in a pool at one point and groping um, her. Yeah, straight up. And yeah, she was definitely very jealous of that Barbara moment. And Barbara does identify as bi, right? Yeah, Barbara yeah.
0: is bi. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
3: Um, that's what I thought. I don't know. Sonia's always like so close to it. And Sonia's very clearly like self-destructive and unhappy with any man that she tries to be with. And I'm just like, why? Right. Don't, why don't you just Try this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't occur to them. It's because they were just, like, of the 80s. I don't know. Like, they just it seems like it's just their generation is holding them back from coming out she also
3: like got mad that Carol Radziwill wasn't like flirting back no no she was mad because she was like oh Carol's flirty but she I I think Sony even says like Carol's a bullshit lesbian or something like that or bullshit bisexual it was bullshit bisexual bisexual. (laughs) because she's like we flirt but then she won't actually like kiss me basically (laughs) and she's like right right. (laughs) and that's another one
1: too that Carol has something about her that like every woman on the show talks about how they just volunteer they're like I don't sleep with women but if I had to Carol yeah. like and they all just volunteer I'm like this is so crazy I don't know. I'm like is Carol like putting out vibes there is she bisexual and that's why the- these women are like feeling that way about her I don't know it's really crazy I
0: don't know <laughs> yeah. I just want to get to the bottom of it on this here episode <laughs> yes why when we talk about the housewives amongst especially Lesbians, bisexuals, queer people. Why are we constantly just all we, it's the throwaway line. They're so gay. And then we'll end the conversation there. And I want to <laughs> get to the bottom of why this is a queer franchise. <laughs> yeah,
3: I need I need answers. I I have been trying to get like the phrase uh, Bravo Dyke to catch on for a really long time now. <laughs> I think it's been literally years. I'm like it's it's making moves like cuz I got my girlfriend super into Bravo and she ended up writing something for the cut about like starting to watch the housewives and like all of a sudden becoming a housewives fan. And she used Bravo Dyke in it and credited me. And I was like, all right, we're, we're in the cut. <laughs> we're like, I've written it a few times in auto straddle. I'm like, we're, we're getting Bravo Dyke out there. We're putting it out into the universe. Yes, Cause we I, have
1: to tell Jess Rothschild
0: about it. Uh, yeah, She
1: has uh, another podcaster who is also, I would say quite the Bravo Dyke.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who Camille Paglia is? Yes. She's in her 70s, she's a feminist, like social, cultural critic, huge dyke. She has written essays and essays on The Housewives about how they are gay, they are feminist, like it's like a very feminist show. And then she caused some ripples, I think, in like the mid 2010s with that, because then like Gloria Steinem jumped on the conversation even and was like, no, this is not a feminist show, this sets us back. She says she's it's like watching a train wreck. She's embarrassed. She believes it's all like contrived, artificial like storylines. She hates how much plastic surgery there is. And then Roxanne Gay joined the conversation towards the end of 2010s and went on Watch What Happens Live and says, you know, this franchise allows them to be their truest selves. We see the mess and we see the amazing friendships and everything in between where women are allowed to be themselves, and that's actually the most feminist thing we can do. So I. I love reading about this, like, quarrel between Roxanne Gay and Gloria Steinem. They've apparently, like, confronted each other about this once they've gotten, like, rumblings about what the other has said about the housewives. <laughs> <laughs> so these conversations are having everywhere, happening everywhere. And I feel like if Camille Paglia says it's gay and feminist, it is. I mean, have you seen <laughs> her? She, uh, she's just a dyke, just a such a dyke. Yeah, I feel like we're culturally we're moving towards conversations about how it is at least like good <laughs> for women. I feel like I was ashamed to tell people I watched for the longest time and then it took like Roxanne Gay on Watch What Happens live saying these things for me to be like, you know what? No, it is important. The show is important, but I actually don't know how to back up why.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, this is something that I think about a lot, actually. And like For me, and this is often where I fall, and sometimes I feel like it sounds like a little bit of a cop out, but I'm just like, well, I think it's too simple to say that this, like, this kind of stuff is bad for women. I also think sometimes it's too simple to be like, this is like super feminist and empowering or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, especially like feminists, like that gets complicated because yeah, these shows are like very like steeped in capitalism, steeped in the patriarchy for sure, and like all these kind of systems. So I don't, I... I personally don't think it's one or the other. I think it's more nuanced than that. It's like somewhere in between. What I will say is that there are things that happen on these shows across all franchises. I would venture to say that we don't see in any other TV, and like sometimes that's as like simple as like literally women over fifty just like horny as hell. Like that is yeah, like right. not something. Or like when it is on TV, it's sometimes like almost like a joke, or like I don't know, the Golden Girls. That exactly, exactly. And and it's like, these are women, not only horny, like they want to be like fucking all the time, but they're also like dating a lot. They're dating around. Like, I mean, Ramona Singer is in her 60s now and she's doing that. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and, you know, I'm not saying that Ramona Singer is good for television and think, in fact, <laughs> I, th- I think her. her or time, feminism
0: or. <laughs>
3: yeah, I've. I, Think that her time is finally up. Like, I kinda think that she might be gone after this season. And I, I never so. would have said that before just because I felt like she was such a fixture and Bravo is like just sees her as like a compelling character because of how like kind of uh, volatile um, she is, but now I think she has finally crossed that line into, like, maybe we're not going to see any more Ramona Singer. But also I might be wrong. I don't know. Bravo's a weird institution too. Like, yeah. they... Yeah. They especially in the past, like, year or so, um, I have been thinking a lot about, like, the way that Bravo has done certain hirings and firings. And there's, like, a lot of double standards in there. Like, there were a lot of cast members of Vanderpump Rules that were fired for off-camera, like, racist tweets that they did and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been fired. They absolutely should have been. But at the same time, we have people on Southern Charm who, like, own plantations and stuff. Yeah,
0: literally. And
3: it's just like, because that never really gets talked about on the show, there's not the opportunity for those people. Because that's the other thing. Like, so many of these reality people exist in bubbles. And so they're not going to say... Um, kind of racist stuff on a uh, camera because they're almost in situations where it's not going to come up because they're just around people that are too like them. I think that's the case for Southern Charm for sure. And I haven't seen the current season. I've heard that like race gets addressed in the, and that's not Housewives. But I'm kind of talking about Bravo. Yeah, know, we right, can talk about right. Bravo multiverse At large. now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like okay, like these people like live on plantations, have plantations, like. But because they never talk about that or it's like never a conversation on the show like that's somehow OK, like that. I don't know. I've been thinking about yeah. this a lot with Bravo lately. And I, I like because also, you know, Bravo has done some more inclusive hirings in the past couple of years but also it took like 13 seasons of New York to get a black woman. Not only like get in a black New woman. Yeah, like right. In New York. Yeah, like in New York. Like this is wild. But then it also just feels so surface level because they're like, well, now we're going to force these people to talk about race. And it's going to be like entertaining.
0: Yeah. Right. We're kind of watching that devolve right now on New York. It's really sad too. like. Because now the average viewer is watching Bravo. They've never seen any women of color really on New York. And now they're seeing the first black housewife try to carry the show. All these conversations doing so much emotional labor and still like filming mid pandemic. Like everyone's like it's boring and it's, it's Ebony's fault because of all these conversations about race when really like. There's only so much they can do this season. They're in a quarantine and it's, it's just really unfortunate that that's how it's worked out. And the blame has been like shifted to like the one woman of color. Who's actually,
3: yeah, it's, it's not fair for her. Yeah. Like she feels like she has to kind of have these conversations and stuff. And then as a result, we don't get the real her, and then, yeah. yeah, that then then there it becomes this backlash against her where it's like, be real, be real. It's like, no, she is being real. Like this. These are the thing exact things she would be talking about with these dumbass white women. Like it, they really are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know. New York has been tough this season, I feel like I there's been a real kind of swap with, like, New York and Beverly Hills for me, where it's like, for a while, I was like, Beverly Hills needs to... St-. Although, that Denise Richards' storyline last season. You want to talk Let's about, Let's talk like, about that. Some dyke drama.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the dyke drama of Beverly Hills, which you so eloquently wrote about for Autostraddle. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading, as it was happening, and that's when I first like your mind, like your your name, sorry, popped in my mind and it stayed there for having a Housewives episode was that article. I actually read it just so I could understand what Melody was talking about. (laughs) Screaming about every week last spring. So we always talk about the sort of covert lesbian tension in these franchises, but we had overt lesbian drama on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Can you sort of tell our listeners about this? Can you tell I'm just trying to get all of our listeners on board with these <laughs> goddamn franchises and if this doesn't do it, I don't know what will.
3: <laughs> um yeah, this is such a hard one to summarize because it's it was very complicated and strange, but basically like the gist of it is Denise Richards who, like, I already knew a lot of lesbians who were obsessed with Denise Richards, I feel oh, like. Oh, come on. Wild,
0: wild things. Wild things, yeah. Exactly.
3: <laughs> so, you know, already an icon in our community. <laughs> um, she joined Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and a rumor started circulating about her and a past housewife named Brandy Glanville, who is a chaos demon. I kind of like yes. Brandi Glanville almost in like a Jenny Schecter way. It's like she yes. it knows how to like deliver the drama, the chaos. Like she really does. Well, now I want to watch Beverly Hills. <laughs> yes. if, you could, if you say there's a Jenny Schecter in the mix, I'm going to watch. <laughs> Rumors started circulating that they had hooked up basically. Um and maybe had like an ongoing thing. Now, to reach Denise Richards is married. Um, she's married to a man who specializes in like weird sound therapy. No, it's, it's not really therapy. Yeah. It's like, but I he don't He claims
0: he can cure cancer with he it. He
3: claims he can cure cancer with like certain frequencies. Yes. Um, and that's really all you need to know about him.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, truly. Um,
3: So she's married to him. This rumor starts circulating, Brandon Glanville, chaos demon, confirms the rumor, you know, says, yes, we had intimate relations and now she is like denying it and kind of gaslighting me and all this stuff. And the rest of the housewives, including Lisa Rinna, who at the time was very close with Denise Richards, confronted her about it on camera, said, you know, have you been sleeping with Brandy Glanville, basically, in the middle of a dinner on a cast trip? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, which, like, not great to do. <laughs>
0: like no. Overseas, right? Overseas.
3: Just... <laughs> like, this is your friend. And you're not only, like, putting them on the spot, but also, like, potentially outing them. Yeah. Right. And Denise Richards tried to fix fix that by just shouting bravo, which, like... So the thing about the housewives is that there are very rarely breaks in the fourth wall. In fact, if the fourth wall is being broken, that means something good is happening. (laughs) I know. And it's
0: happened a lot over the last couple of years. So a lot more fourth wall breaking. Yes. That's how you know it's been getting real good.
3: Exactly. There are some iconic kind of fourth wall breakings in the past. But yeah. So she just starts shouting Bravo because she thinks that that means that they'll kind of cut out this footage. And she's talking about how she's a married woman and she, you know, is not having an affair. And it turns into a whole thing. It's like stretched over a few episodes. And then Brandi Glanville is continuing to insist that this happened. Um, And Denise overcorrects and is not even just like, this didn't happen, but I barely know this woman. We're not friends. We're not close. And there's of evidence to the contrary she yeah she like full pivots to just like who is she i don't know yeah and then there are like all these texts being like i love you like haha like see you soon and like they did very
1: donald trump of her yes like
3: oh no it's the coffee guy
1: where it's just like
3: she could have fixed it and that's the thing about the housewives like a lot of them get caught lying on camera all the time which is interesting because sometimes there'll be literal proof otherwise like They'll roll the tapes quite literally yeah. and be like, no, you <laughs> yeah. said this before. Or, yeah, they just like overcorrect to the lie to the point where it's just like, well, now we know this is true. <laughs> yeah. It's like you didn't have to say like, oh, I've never met this woman. Like there's so much. There's a whole scene between them where they get like dinner on the show before these yeah. come out. And they're being Which very funny about that lot. dinner. Yes, they <laughs> yeah. do cut to it a lot. So that, that's like the dyke drama with Denise Richards. And it turned into a whole thing. She left the show. She continued to deny it. She's no longer friends with Lisa Rinna. It has mm-hmm. continued to have kind of ripple effects. And it still comes up in the current season.
0: So are you ready for potentially Bravo to cast an actual open and out lesbian? Or would that sort of ruin the franchise? Like, do you like watching these straight women and escaping into their antics? belligerence just like out of control storylines or would you want to see like a lesbian and let her face that same scrutiny (laughs) we all give when watching the housewives
3: I, I'm definitely mixed on it because well so technically Orange County does have a lesbian now. She came out yes. later though like she's been on the show for a while and then came out and that I don't really follow I don't watch Orange County I follow That's the like
0: the news. one I don't watch too yeah.
3: <laughs> for any for, for anything that I don't watch I still like follow the news on it
0: yeah
3: um, <laughs> and that all seems like a wild situation because she's been married to a man for a long time, she comes out as a lesbian. She gets a much younger girlfriend, which great, love that for her. I follow her on Instagram, and she like doesn't want her husband, who I think they're separated, but I think they're still living together. They have a lot of kids together. She doesn't want him to date. She's like jealous of him dating, and she's really right. like, I know that this is like, you know, this doesn't make sense, and I'm being like super jealous and whatever. But she's just like, yeah, like she's like. I'm a lesbian, I'm living my life, but I don't want him to live his life. (laughs) Right. But that kind of brings me to my point of like, I know that like any lesbians on these shows are just going to be like not people that I want to associate with. Right. (laughs) I'm just like, no, we we don't claim her or it's, I know it's not confirmed yet. It's still just a rumor. Real Housewives of Miami is rebooting. That part is confirmed. Like they're doing a new Real Housewives of Miami. I live in Miami and uh, they are filming right now. And There's just been, like, leaks based on, like, because they haven't announced cast. But based on where they're filming and where they've been seen, they've been kind of, like, piecing together the cast. And I guess there is going to be a queer woman. Um, It's actually tennis legend Martina Navratilova's wife.
0: Oh. Like a former supermodel.
3: She is going to be on Real Housewives of Miami. So I'm like, not only is there, like, you know a lesbian housewife coming, it's like in the city that I live in now.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's so
3: exciting. And I do wonder if yeah. like that means Martina Navratilova is gonna like show up on the show at some point. Because I feel like spouses always show up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, some franchises more than others.
3: For sure. Some franchises <laughs> um, they'll feature
0: characters, yeah. basically. Real Houses of New Jersey is like, yeah, the husbands are their own cast and a lot revolves around them. Well, that's cool. I know Andy Cohen went on Garcelle Bouvet, um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills cast members podcast, and said, We've almost cast several lesbians. So I just thought that would mean like more of the same. We would never get one and we would just speculate for the longest time. But that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's one coming. Potentially. <laughs> I
1: I do want to go back to one of the things you said earlier about what makes Housewives such a good show and about how it covers topics that you don't see mm-hmm. anywhere else. Like a lot of this stuff, you really can't write it. It's things that most your average person would never <laughs> think of yeah. as subplot in a show. But it's kind of the same reasons why I like like, the original L word, even though it was a mess. It was, like, lesbians are all cheating and transphobic and butchphobic and whatever, and it, it wasn't a good look for lesbians, but I was, like, for women, look at all these things we're talking about. We're focusing on careers, we're focusing on friendship, on healthcare, on all these different things that you don't see elsewhere, so that's, that's what I like about Housewives when you're talking about, is it feminist is it not like uh, again i was watching last night and uh, tinsley who's one of those characters who feels not (laughs) feminist at all and she just (laughs) wants to be like a kept woman but then it's like her friends being like you need to stand up for yourself and like really challenging her on these maybe outdated ideas that she has from from the way that she grew up and just like hearing those conversations between friends and also the career stuff and just seeing like like how aggressive Bethany is with self promotion and all of that like you don't really see that much unless it's like a villain type character or something on a show.
3: Yeah, I would <laughs> like I had been thinking about this. Kind of at the beginning of our conversation, I was like, oh, I think there actually is like weirdly a clear through line between the L word and the housewives where it's just like, first of all, yeah. it's just like men are taking a backseat. Like it, it really is like an ensemble of women um, in this specific way. And w- uh, with the exception of Jersey, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but also my favorite thing ultimately about both the L word and the housewives is are the friendships. Like, so yeah, yeah, like you talking about that, it's just like, I've always loved um, the friendships in the L word. Like even just scenes where like friends are all kind of like piled on a bed together, like talking or whatever, like talking about their drama. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love this. Like, this is very real. And the Housewives, I feel the same way. I feel like some of the best like storylines, which like they really are storylines. Like it's, you know, it's right. reality, but it's produced. and. Some of the best ones have involved major friendship breakups like or like friends kind of breaking up and getting back together like New York in particular like that that show like they hate men on that show like they straight up hate men. Yeah. <laughs> <And> it's like <laughs> they all have like bad exes they're like And then Beverly Hills, some of the early seasons too, they're always talking about like, well, I only want uh, like to hang out with girls, girls. Like I like girls, girls. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, just say lesbian, I guess. Yeah, right. (laughs) Girls, girl. (laughs) But no, I like, I, I love the friendship storylines a lot. There've been some really good, very real, again, because they are real friendship breakups where it's like, those people don't talk to each other anymore in actual life off camera. And i think that's kind of good i think friendship breakups are a hard thing like tv so rarely wants to do that because that messes up scripted television because then it's just like well how do we get these characters in a scene together if they've gone through this friendship breakup but housewives we kind of see it a lot and it leads to like people leaving the show and so then like basically kind of changing their job because it is a job because they've gone through these like intense Friendship breakups that are as intense as they are because these people like care about each other as much as they do.
0: Right. They care so much.
3: Yeah.
1: And they're, they're intense, but they also for some of them they happen over like an entire season. I mean, I again, it's pr- it's produced, so who knows the actual time, but it feels like you're kind of watching things uh disintegrate like with Bethany and Carol and and all the factors that go into that. And Any other type of show wouldn't give something like that that amount of time or nuance. I felt like the Bethany and Carol thing, I mean, I have opinions about it that are like what was really at play, but it wasn't like it was one clear thing that's like, oh, they had a falling out over this and then that ended the friendship like it it was just like this really complex thing that you don't get to see. But the other thing. I want to talk about uh, relative to that is the fighting because this is the reason why I didn't want to watch housewives. Why I resist a lot of reality TV is I hate watching fighting and I, because I feel like you're capturing people when they're at their worst. And I, it, it just makes me feel sad, but the fighting in housewives, like there's also so much, apologizing and making up and then really trying to navigate how how do you make up with this person? What like what does this person need to hear in this case? And then it doesn't always work and then they have to like try again. And it's it's kind of beautiful. It's, it's just like a lot like romantic relationships. And then they come out, you know, either stronger on the other side or there's like lingering trust issues. But the The way that they fight, like, yes, yeah, some of them are really ridiculous and crazy, but others I'm like, this kind of teaches you how to fight and get get over it and yeah. move past things, yeah,
3: because i I do feel like, you know, not everyone, but the vast majority of us do not fight in the way that they fight on the housewives. Like we're not screaming no. in the middle of a restaurant at friends yeah. like that is <laughs> right, not right. happening. At the same time, I do think that friends fight a lot. Obviously, people in like romantic relationships fight a lot, but also like... That whole process of like apologizing or taking accountability, being like, this is what I did. Like, that's really hard. And people don't do that all the time. They're just kind of like, oh, like, let's move on. Let's like not talk about it or whatever. On The Housewives, because of the nature of like the fact that it's spectacle and for TV, they have to talk about it. Like, they have to be like, we're going to talk about this. So even though the fights are so much more extreme and like almost theatrical, like compared to real life the actual apology and, like, accountability process is, like, really interesting to see because that's what we technically should all be doing in our lives, even when we have, like, normal fights that are not, you know, screaming at each other in the middle of a restaurant, like a 10-person table screaming at each other. But, like, we should be doing these same things. We should be, like, uh, you know, apologizing, like, coming over for coffee the next day and being like, look, like, I know that I did this or whatever, and to see that on TV is kind of interesting because I I mean, I... I like the fighting on reality TV. I really do. I'm a sucker for it. It's like, it does feel like spectacle to me. It feels like theater. It's like, yeah, my girlfriend's funny because that's definitely her least favorite part of it. She, I mean, she likes reunions. She likes to watch them, but I always make fun of her because she always kind of has to be like on her phone while she's watching. Or kind of like, I, I always like, I'm like, you can't make eye contact. <laughs> she doesn't like to make eye, eye contact with, with oh. the reunions. And I, I, live for the reunions i love them but that is definitely where you know the most kind of like absurd yelling and screaming and fighting oh
0: yeah there is like a full-on lesbian encounter and a fight that spawns from it just because one of them doesn't want to acknowledge that she did like try to hook up with the other one when she was drunk and the cameras were down and the way she sort of confronts her about it at that reunion for that season is just so it's, I don't know how they're closeted. Like some of them are in fact bisexuals who won't say it. And when they're off camera are like, Hooking up, making out here and there, but one of them went as far as trying to like pressure the one, another one, and her husband into a threesome. And when the one who didn't want to do it, because the one who was being pressured into it doesn't drink, Candy, she remembers everything and was like, "I wasn't going to try to do that with you. You were really drunk." But she yeah. tried to then have that conversation on the show, and that crossed a line for Portia, and was like, "You don't talk about my queerness on the show." Like that was at the heart of a lot of their fighting that season. So I don't know. There's like so much you know, covert and overt homosexuality, but Atlanta feels like the gayest one. And I know there's a lot of homophobia within the black community, a lot of different factors at play where they just like, don't, acknowledge it don't highlight it but that to me does feel like the most genuinely gay franchise like especially this last season there was like one bachelorette party where they all were like in like leather and like lingerie and like in a sex dungeon whipping each other grinding on each other (laughs) like humping each other like really into it the more they drank the more like free they got with it and then like the next day they're okay like they don't talk about it <laughs> but yeah if anyone's looking for like gay like cle- just gay housewives atlanta is the gayest to me and Al- but the yeah, most complicated to talk about
3: for sure and atlanta's just really good like it's like it's like i don't know that franchise does a lot of things and there are some <laughs> longtime people on that show that i just love um, like Candy, like Candy is great. She's a great housewife. And, uh, there are also like people on there for a very short amount of time that also like really make their splash. <laughs> yeah, Atlanta's got a lot going on for sure. It's so interesting because I feel like, especially in the past couple of years, like so many of the franchises, there have been, you know, not just subtextual gay things happening, but actual kind of queer things happening. But these are still such kind of like heteronormative spaces that all of these franchises exist in um, and how they kind of reckon with that and stuff.
0: What is your favorite franchise then and why? And then your favorite housewife.
3: Yeah. uh, Favorite franchise. So. This is another thing that I feel like was a journey for me because back in the day, it was definitely Beverly Hills, like early and mid seasons, Beverly Hills. I love there's something about like the artifice of Beverly Hills itself as a place that just like I loved it felt like theater. It felt like I don't know. And back in those days, like Kyle Richards was like my favorite housewife for sure. And like Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump in particular, I was like very invested in their friendship and everything. And then for a while, it was New York. I was all in on New York. And then for a while, out, New York was outperforming Beverly Hills, which I now feel like has flipped. And Beverly Hills is more interesting. But my favorite at the moment, I do think, is Atlanta. Like, I really love Atlanta so much. Um,
0: the funniest.
3: I'm. Like, it's It's so funny. It's very funny. <laughs> it's like like I was saying before, it kind of has everything. It's just good. I love, this is such a small thing, but like, they do eat on that show and all these other that, shows yes. they don't fucking eat on camera ever like they're like you know there are some kind of more extreme instances on some of these housewife shows of like really intense dieting and eating disorder stuff type stuff but like they also just like they don't eat on camera on Atlanta they eat on camera <laughs> they,
0: like... they get angry when there's not enough food and yes. like it's like they'll make it a point to talk about it until they're properly fed like they eat so much.
3: <laughs> yeah. I lo- I like that they eat on Atlanta. <laughs> I'm in a group chat with two friends of mine. Um, and we periodically will send each other like housewives prompt questions. And the whole idea of it is like, you just have to answer as quickly as possible. And a lot of times it's like, rank everyone on Beverly Hills right now these rankings change like week to week though and our favorites change week to week also yeah okay who's your favorite housewife of all time but the all of all time changes kind of often I feel like the answer I most often give is Sonia Morgan I love Sonia Morgan (laughs) so much she is just like consistently so funny I mean Lately, she's been a little too dark for me, I feel
0: like. It's getting dark with the drinking, it's yeah. It's
3: getting dark, no, it's, no. it's like maybe... I'm not there yet. It's just like, she it's probably already shouldn't it's already be on <laughs> reality TV anymore, like... But but she is the answer I usually come back to. I feel myself edging closer and closer to Portia Williams. Like she could yeah. become one of my favorite spots. Th- She's like one of my best friends. She's her favorite of all time. And then another one of my best friends, Bethany and Kyle, are like her top ones. At one point, Kyle was really high up there for me, which seems kind of random. Like Kyle's not high drama or anything. Like, but I don't know. She's good at reality. Some of those Beverly Hills girls are just like good at being on TV.
0: Yeah, Kyle, I mean, she's been on TV her whole life, Mm -hmm. kind of, in a way. Little House on the Prairie, Carolyn. Um, Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, she, um, she's good when she's trying to be the funny one. I love and that's how it started off before she was just like the kooky, like class clown of the cast. And then like in the last few seasons, I feel like she's been trying to be like the head bitch in charge. Like I'm like the Regina George and I didn't like her in that role. And then I think she's backed off of that
3: Vanderpump a little bit. And it's just like, Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I I still like Kyle, but she's not, like, high-ranking to me anymore. I don't know. My favorite thing also on, like, the Bitch Sesh podcast is they're like, our opinions change every week. And the thing about the Housewives is, like, it's true that, like, you could really like someone and they can just, like, say or do something awful, like, the next week. And you're just like, okay. Or even, like, for an entire season, just kind of be horrible. And you're like, all right, I'm done done with you. On to the next one. Like, it's like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It changes so quickly. There's one cast member on Beverly Hills. I hated, hated up until a couple of weeks ago, Sutton Strack on Beverly Hills. I thought she was just like an old or just like a racist white lady from the South with too much money. Um, and then now that we're getting into the Erica Jane lawsuit, she's the only one not blindly defending her and being like, she defrauded innocent people. And is like, she knew, and she's just speaking that truth that no one is. And now I love her, but I could go from like screaming at my TV, like this racist bitch just to like. look at that voice of reason (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
3: I feel that all the time like it's like constant kind of like I love you this week I hate you this week whatever I definitely felt that a lot on Salt Lake City I felt like I when I first went into it I was pretty into Jen Shaw then toward the end of that season I was like um no I'm scared of Jen Shaw in a bad way and that was before I even found out she was like you know scamming old people
0: (laughs) yeah god so dark People think it's fluff, but there's so much darkness. There is um, a lot of
3: darkness. I also like the one, the one thing that I I have to say is that I feel like it's under talked about that almost every psychic that has been brought on to these Housewives shows <gasps> has been correct.
0: Yes, thank you for bringing that up.
1: <laughs> oh yes, there is this witchy psychic element. There to is every season. There's always some type of when they bring even in like singers, a, a, a coffee
0: leave reader or yeah. A, yeah. like. Any kind of medium psychic type has right. been correct. Yeah. Yes. And every time a couple has gotten their vows renewed on any franchise, they have then been doomed to yep. crash and burn and break up. That's a curse. <laughs> that's happened every time. That's another curse. <laughs> uh, did we go to a- like that's a real life curse? Yeah. Right? That's, <laughs> Just yeah. don't do that. <laughs> don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Did we convince our listeners, Carolyn, like how <laughs> I've been trying to articulate the queerness of the housewives for years? I, mean,
1: I feel like if you're a housewives fan, this has been a, a fun episode. If you are not, I still think it's very interesting. I think you've made a, a very compelling case for it, and I would recommend to to go watch it. I know what helped me in getting into it was on the past episode when Jess said start with Roni, uh season 7 so that you can appreciate season 10. And like that's a doable assignment. And now I'm like fully on board and willing to explore the others based on recommendations. But Kayla, do you have a recommended starting point for Cuz it is overwhelming.
0: People? It is overwhelming. Yeah. And yeah. keeps people away for that reason. Yeah, I think yeah.
3: that's how I felt in the beginning. Um I Yeah, I think I honestly think seasons one of Beverly Hills and seasons one of uh, Roni are like the places to start um, those early seasons. I feel like kind of trap you a little bit because it's also very old school reality in those seasons. Like it's kind of like DIY feeling a little bit.
0: Yeah. Pre-social yeah. media. There's something about watching the Housewives, the old seasons before the Instagram Industrial complex, um, yes. and like the housewives to influencer pipeline, all that. Like, when they didn't realize there would be like commentary as they were talking, as things would air, like they were a lot more free and there's no inhibition. I don't know, they were a lot more themselves, I feel, before, um, I don't know, whenever Instagram <laughs> got popular, <laughs> there's something extra reckless about those seasons that i love
3: yeah (laughs) i agree first three seasons of roni in particular are like very good like new york in those first three seasons it's it's just good
0: i just want more lesbians talking about housewives more bravo dykes more bravo Dykes. dykes
3: i do think um every single verb from the l word original theme song uh, happens on the Housewives. So. Yes, <laughs> yes, that should be the theme song for Housewives. It, it they should, should repurpose be the theme it. Song. <laughs> I'm obsessed yeah.
0: with all these parallels now, and I should have mentioned earlier. But you, as we were stalking you, I sent Carolyn. You would made a tweet in like 2015 um, and it was like linked to an autostraddle article and it was embedded and that's how I saw it but like you were like the similarities like the look and feel between the L word and yeah. the housewives were so spot on these screen grabs you could have confused any for either show yes <laughs> like there yes. are so many parallels between the two <laughs> shows I will be thinking about for the rest of the night <laughs>
1: Well, Kayla, where can people follow you on social media and read your amazing reviews and and other works that you have?
3: Yeah. So I'm at Kayla Kumari on literally everything, all social media. Um, And uh, I am recapping Generation Q season two for the AV Club right now. I write about other stuff for them, but like the gayest thing I'm doing right now is those. (laughs) And also always writing... So for Autostraddle, I write about TV for them. I give relationship advice. If any of your listeners need relationship advice, you can write oh, to yeah. Autostraddle and I will probably answer it. That is one of my kind of like little side gigs. Yes. And
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Amazing.
0: Thank you, Kayla, so much for diking yes. out about the housewives with us. And another quick reminder to read Kayla's recaps of L Word Gen Q.
1: And a reminder to myself to start watching Beverly Hills. Yes. Because now Stat. you have uh, piqued my interest in that. All right. I think it's time to get to our listener question, non-Housewives related. Let's we'll see.
0: Let's we'll see, see if I can bring it back to that. All right. You know how annoying it can be when straight women really need the validation of Brian or Josh or whoever? I feel like I do the same thing with women in my life. There are certain ladies that I just constantly want to know if I'm pretty enough or smart enough or sexy enough to raise their eyebrows and get their attention. I've been obsessed with this for far too long. It's never about genuinely wanting to be with them to cultivate a relationship. It's as annoying as, do you think I'm pretty? What are some ways that a person can find that confidence in themselves?
1: Huh. Hmm. 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 I think you're pretty. Yeah. I think I think you're pretty because I'm looking at you right now. Oh, I don't even know who sent it.
0: Well, I can see not. We don't always get a photo in someone's uh, Gmail account. But how do we get that confidence? Yeah. (laughs) Carolyn, this
1: is sad. (laughs) I feel like I should have thought about this more in advance because I I don't think I've necessarily been in a position where I've felt that way of just wanting to know if people are attracted to me, but not because I wanted anything to happen. Like for me, it's always been very specific to like, I need to know if they find me attractive so that I can make a move and have it be low risk. <laughs> yeah but just for the the sake of knowing i mean if you're looking for the confidence to not need that there there are things you could do i don't know get uh some hot pictures taken of you and keep them on hand and look at them and be like hey smoke show
0: yeah um that's me our friend alicia brown uh, every year for her birthday will book uh photo shoot i mean she is such a leo but um (laughs) and she needs no more confidence she's got so much but it probably helps and she gets these awesome photos taken of herself and that makes her feel great and yeah she's got them on hand she does look at them and she's like god I'm attractive
1: (laughs) she needs a boost. Get a photo shoot. And then whether or not you're looking for someone, just go on a, a dating app and then see if compliments come in. Though, you know, from what I hear, I've never used the apps, but I've heard that women aren't great at making a pass at you or saying like you're pretty or giving compliments like that, like that they just match and then are silent and never talk again. Right. Yeah, That's that's how I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's not a good, (laughs) a good strategy. Well, oh, You're saying it's well, like we're sp- trying to get it from,
0: from the inside out like we're trying to look yeah. within. So yeah, <laughs> we don't need external validation. And this coming from two stand up comedians, we're going to try to figure out how <laughs> to get it without external validation. I, when I'm feeling bad about myself and not confident, I will exercise, not with the goal of how it'll like make me look, but how it'll make me feel. Like I will just put on music and dance. I don't know. It does boost endorphins. It makes you feel a little more accomplished in your day. It helps me. You're looking at me like that's not good enough. Okay, Carolyn. Um, what else? No. no. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm still trying to think while while you're trying to be helpful. Um I don't know flirt like flirting can be as long as you're not flirting in a way that's like wrongfully leading people on but I think you could be a little flirty and then get a sense if people are, are digging what, what you're putting out there if you really need that validation but no again we're not talking about actually getting that kind of superficial whatever validation yeah. how do we find the confident what do what do I do to feel because yeah I'm all about getting external validation to feel uh confident and that's just I I get most of it from my wife I I'm just not helpful this this question has stumped me I mean we're on this is episode 199 and and this
0: question might be one of the hardest ones for (laughs) so telling for me to answer (laughs) I mean I really like we, we heard bits and pieces of my little, like, workshops over quarantine, my meditation things, and my journaling, but it really did help. Journaling really does help, even if there's, like, a mantra that you don't necessarily start out your day believing it and... Like If you just write it repeatedly, I will have to write things repeatedly because I do morning pages and the goal is to write anything, three pages freehand every morning. So sometimes if I feel like I have nothing to offer and I'm feeling bad about that, I will just pick one of my mantras I'm not telling you guys because I'm embarrassed. Um, (laughs) Over and over.
1: (laughs) I have one that might be helpful. Why don't you think about what makes other people attractive? So what are the qualities that you find attractive in other people? And then see if those are some things that you feel are true for yourself.
0: hmm Is that helpful? <laughs> yeah. Are you someone who also does negative self-talk? Because continuing to do that doesn't help, obviously. And just it, as simple as like being mindful about that and trying to eliminate that does help with your confidence.
1: Oh, Does that mean that the real answer is that if you're pretty enough or smart enough or sexy enough for you, then you'll be enough for everybody else because it's just you who matters. That's it. That's (laughs) That's the answer. Nailed it. it. Okay. Moving on. If you have a question, you can (laughs) send it to us. Dykingout at gmail.com. Look at my confidence in nailing that question at the end. It was a journey, but we got there. Dykingout at gmail.com. Send your questions. (laughs) If you're a patron, you get to the top of the list. You can follow us on social media at Diking Out Everywhere, which we have an intern now. So our, our social media is about to get lit.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Julia. Our new intern, Julia, will be just doing everything we can. not I mean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We've been struggling. <laughs> we obviously. don't. We're, we're too it's old. A it's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. But we're trying. So follow us at Diking Out Everywhere. Follow me personally at TGI Carolyn. Please do that. If you haven't already, it would make me smile.
0: Oh, my God. It would really build my confidence. And in, in maybe not the best way, but definitely one kind of way. If you followed me at Melody Kamali on Instagram. It would also build my confidence if you uh, did not go to
1: pictures of me with the former co-host of this podcast and only comment on how the former co-host is yeah, looking what's hot. with that? Stop doing it! It happens all the time, and it bums me out every single time. Why would you do it's, that? It's, a, it's rude. It's a Hashtag dick move. Rude. You have
0: to know what you're doing when you do stuff like that. I was uh,
1: debating whether or not to bring it up, but really, uh, after after so many times, I feel like I need to make a, a PSA. Uh, uh, unless you're really trying to make me feel bad, and that's your kink, then I guess you do you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for diking out with us <laughs> this week.
0: We'll see you next Tuesday.